that for everyone in just a moment. That was just absolutely brilliant. Hi, everyone. My name is Josie. Welcome to Documentation Not Included, episode 9.0, Shifting Security. And I have to say that correctly because in our discussions, and we're not talking about shitting security, we're talking <laughs> about shifting security. I want to thank you all very much for joining us this new year, 2019, live here on Twitch as we record our podcast, Vodcasting. And for those of you who are able to join us in the future, we hope to see you on Thursday night, 7 p.m. GMT on Twitch. Or if you happen to watch us in the future or listen to us on our podcast in the future, we want to hear from you. Hashtag DNI stream. We have our usual awesome devs of doom in their various roles. We have Chris. Devs, the Do Devs of Doom. That's a new one. Doom. I've never heard that one. Right, so. Anyway, hello, everybody. Happy 2019. And we have the artistic developer, I'm, Patrick. I'm more of a plague bearer today. <laughs> I'm spreading the disease around me. It's amazing. Thank God for the internet. That's the first time you'll ever see me say that. I'm probably the last. <laughs> I, I, I just have no idea what to say for that. I hope for a new TCP/IP protocol, viruses over uh, over uh, IP. That would be really nice. I think they already have VoIP, darling. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, you can't take an acronym that already exists. You need to go for something new. <sighs> uh, but anyway, make certain you guys say hello in chat, and I have to comment on what made me snicker as we were starting in. Usually, as we prep for our shows, we have this tiny little countdown thing where Chris gives me this little hand signal, so. I can make commentary and start talking right as our show starts. However, he has one-upped himself, as is expected. If you ever hire Chris, the guy is a god. <laughs> he always goes above and beyond. He has done something for us today, which I think is brilliant. Yes. So, so everybody, and then describe it for those who will be listening on podcast. For those for those who haven't seen it, um, it's probably backwards actually because my camera's no. backwards. Well, no, it's, it's backwards on the stream looking at it. So this actually does say. Uh, Oh. It's a production board, as you can see, a clipboard. But yeah, my wife bought it for me for Christmas because of the show, basically. And I was, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned to her, I'm struggling to tell Josie when we, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with the countdown because I'm, I'm doing this. I'm Your hand is not always in screen. It's ne either. no, I'm doing this because my, I keep thinking because you're over there when we, and I've got the main screen here for when we're streaming. So anyway, it's all over the place. Hopefully that will solve the problem. But I'll probably end up holding it over there. <laughs> I was thinking the camera's in a different direction. But, but the clapper is still loud, so we can hear it. it yes, is, yes, yeah, that'll be good enough. And it's also really good for audio afterwards, which is why there's usually snap takes and people who do audio recordings. In case you were ever curious about that, yeah. Ah, but yes, I yes, have a nice freaking question. Yes, we are, we don't have a guest today. For those who uh, oh, who yeah. do see us regularly or watch us regularly, there's no no one today. We thought we'd just get 2019 off to a start with us three. Yeah, absolutely. And our guest next week will be uh, Anthony Keenan as we talk about the interview process. And that's going to be interesting because I have a lot of questions and I have a lot of ranting. And I have a pretty good feeling that next week's show is going to be 100% RTFM ranting. Uh, Anthony is involved. You know, he's one of my best friends and he's... I can't, I can't speak to the guy without us having some kind of... Um, heated debate about something that he agrees with or I, I agree with and the other one doesn't so <laughs> to be fair I, I still hope to get like plenty of valuable knowledge because I am right now in the middle of interview process uh, from the side of the developer not the hiring person but still so I mean, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm in the same boat at the moment as well I tend to at the beginning of the year it's quite quiet for me so I tend to look for a new contract role and unfortunately I have to go through an interview process for that even though it's wholly unnecessary most of the time but you know it's part yeah. of the world we live in it's gonna it be weird indeed. because I, I never done like you know i never done like a 
proper interview like you have with big companies because it always was like a freelancing with smaller guys which was a lot more informal in a sense so Uh, it's not that I'm stressed by the by the situation, but it's it's an unknown territory for me. Well, so, if you do one before next week's show, my only advice to you is don't treat it any differently. Apart from you know, dress up. That's the only thing that that really people expect. Be yourself and just be be confident. You know, if you're good at what you do, tell I am them. confident that I don't know what I am doing. <laughs> Hire me. <laughs> you know, oh, I, I have to make a well, with you, Patrick, you will literally travel for your job. I mean, you're in Cyprus right now. Yeah. However, you worked in Poland, you've worked in the United States, you've traveled for game development, which means your background is going to change. And as I had this fantastic thought of your background's going to change, and I'm like, yeah, my background has slightly changed yeah. as well. I then stopped and I looked at Chris's background. Chris has a fantastic potion for Red Dead Redemption 2, but he's also got a snake Snake! Oh yes, you can't. Sorry, the, the stream can't see that <laughs> above. Above Red Dead Redemption oh, is. A, um, that, I yeah. bought that from a a local kind of Comic Con. There was an artist there, and I really liked it. And I don't buy stuff like that ever, but I really like that one. So yes, oh, it's big yeah, boss it's just, actually, not Snake. Get it right. It's, it's hard to see. To me, it looks like Snake. <laughs> They're both the go. same thing. They're both basically the same thing. But anyway, still Snake is all I really want to say. Okay, so. Now, we're going to do our icebreaker question. And I have a brilliant one to start off the new year. It is the antithesis of our RTFN. What one thing has happened in the past couple of weeks that has been pleasantly surprising to you? That has actually made you smile and not hate humanity or company or anything out there. Something that just kind of stopped you and made you go, Oh wow! The the only thing I can that comes to my head is that Christmas Day is usually chaotic, isn't it? It's usually a, mm. a stressful day. I used to do all the um, Christmas Day cooking, but my wife did it this year. But we did a curry this year as well. Mm. Very different from a traditional English Christmas, which is turkey or I mean, we used to have beef or chicken, but like a Sunday lunch, you know. Um, and it went really, really well. I got very drunk on Christmas Day. The day after wasn't very good. I was so I don't drink. I, and, no matter well, how much I drink, I never experience a hangover. I don't know what they feel like. Well, for science. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I have I have gone I have gotten so wasted. I'm pretty certain that my blood alcohol level was like way nasty. But I have never suffered a hangover in my life. I didn't used to when I drank more, but I don't drink at all these days. And I had I was having gins by this amount. You know, half a pint of gin and tonics. Oh, well, I, I didn't say I'm a big drinker. I just said I don't drink. That's quite a lot for someone who doesn't drink. Well, it's not. It's a modest amount. Come on, stop making excuses. Not six the of them. Yeah. Okay. Not six of them in a row. Yeah. That's I nearly was, three I... pints of... It's <laughs> nearly I two liters. Why are you so... I thought it was only one. I'm like, why are you so adamant about like defending that? I mean, like, am I... I did use the plural, but it's easy to miss, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you, was the fact that your holiday was actually a really good one? Yeah, I mean, I have as much as I've been down. We've all been saying it's it's a difficult time. I've been saying it's been a difficult time of year generally. I mean, you know, there's been other things going on with other people in in the group, but I'm I've just had a normal kind of Christmas. But it's just so down this time. This this beginning of the year is such a horrible weather in England, and you know, it's just nice. I've I've enjoyed you know I've enjoyed the time. And Christmas Day specifically was uh, 
better than you I, I ever expected it because the last three years I've had proper stressy Christmases so Aww. it's been good for me gotcha and what I about you Patrick um uh, for me I think it was just like the the general the entire year like there isn't anything specific but the year was really good for me 2018 was easily highlight uh, one of the best years in recent memory so yeah and it set up me for a great trajectory both uh, you know with like career and everything and just just general like general award for accomplishment mm -hmm. i'd say for the entire year of 2018 round of applause everyone <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good job <coughs> it's difficult to pin down anything in the last two weeks to be fair i've, I've only just come out of my chocolate coma yesterday so um... <laughs> wow okay well for I mean, me for me, it's something documentation not included related. Okay. So before we went off on holiday, our last sh shows, one of them featured Hamid from uh, the Axosoft community. And, you know, we were like digging into all of these fantastic topics. They wrote about us mm. on their website. Yeah, and the my brain just kind of went, I thought it was I'm brilliant. Like, I, I saw them on, I was sharing on LinkedIn and Twitter. They tagged us all, so I, I had a look at the, the article and, and and they've also been doing a bit more sharing as well. It's just it's nice that. It's just nice yeah. that that yeah. they value that. It was such a small podcast, you know, and it's it's nice that he values that and It pleasantly you. surprised you, me. I think the the most awesome part of it for me was the fact that they saved the ultimate question for the last. Going into space or going into the ocean. Oh. <laughs> oh no, it was the aliens. That's what it was. The yeah. aliens. Would you go with aliens if they came by and said, hey, come pick us? They brought an icebreaker question as the most important question <laughs> But it was pleasantly surprising and it made yeah. me smile. And I, I was just like, sometimes just someone giving that little bit of feedback of, hey, you're awesome, or I watched that. We've actually had quite a few people reaching out to us on Twitter now mm -hmm. to say, hey, I watched some of your shows. I didn't know about this, but this is awesome. And I'm like, that's so hey! nice. <laughs> so nice. Like, let me, let me know when that happens, because like this, this I, I try to cultivate positive feedback as much as I can, because people are very, uh, we have negativity focus. So every little bit fans. So whenever you find something like that, just let me know. I don't have access to our Twitter. I don't I know what do. Twitter does. I, yeah, find I, do. I find I constructive do. is I more do. important than positive I necessarily. I do. Well, it's nice to have all of the things, but still to have someone sort of see what we did as worthy of being posted on a company's website, yep. shared with the world. Yeah. It's kind of nice. It's, it's much appreciated and thank you very much. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, it yeah. made me smile. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. such a such a great thing. <clears throat> and now I realize that, I should, that I'm bad at social media because I haven't figured out that thing. It's <laughs> now it's gonna be eating at me. So let's go on to the topics, shall we? Or wait, Josie, you're uh, you know you said I'm so I'm still I, I blame the flu. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're going to France? No, bl I blame the flu. I I, I got uh, never. Oh, mind. you blame the flu. His, his head isn't in the right space today. I think. Yeah, exactly. I I, I, I got... literally heard him say, "I'm going to France." <laughs> I might have said that I could have have a stroke. I'm not. I'm not uh, limiting that possibility. But I think, <laughs> I think what I, I do. Yesterday, sorry, sidetrack. Yesterday I had such a high uh, fever. I I was talking with someone. I had to genuinely ask. Hey, I'm like, am I? What am I saying right now? Does it make sense? Because I can see the words, but I, I just don't. I hope it connects into a coherent form of sentence, but I'm not sure. Hmm. So it was pretty bad. 
Podcasting! <laughs> Poor Patrick. <laughs> security! Let's talk about security. Of, uh, uh, of PCs and not human bodies. Well, <laughs> first off, I have to say this because I promised one of our watchers, one of our listeners, that I would. You guys ready for this? Hashtag hack the planet. Is that a movement? Uh, it's from the Hackers movie back in the 80s, oh God. I think it was. Hack the planet! Did they have hashtags back then? No, they did not have <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there you go. As we recall, hashtag hack the planet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay, so yes, come on, let's move on to the topic. We've yeah. done enough rambling. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, leave it to Chris to keep us on track as we go into the new year. So I'm going to ask you guys, have you ever experienced a compromise? Oh, oh I'm a developer. That's a silly question. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me ask you in this context. In a company where you have created something, have you ever been the one who has been told your code has been compromised? Oh. Or your specific system has been compromised? or something that the company that you are working for has been compromised? Have nope. you ever actually been on the business end of being in a compromise? No, but I have um, been asked by a client to redo some security stuff. There wasn't any issues necessarily, it's just that they wanted it more secure than it already was. For me, yes, but not because of the code I wrote or anything. It was simply mishandling of live streaming and... Uh, the what i had on screen uh, <laughs> what did you have on screen that you shouldn't have had on screen uh link to our repo which wasn't uh access protected okay that, so, that right there there's just a whole hurts raft me. of issues with that the, that sentence that's, that's <laughs> yeah hurts me okay uh, yes yes uh so mm, security through obscurity yeah well in this particular case, I'm going to be really curious about Chris's because he freelances and I do the freelancing. So we do things ever so slightly and differently than, say, someone who works at a company, but we're still sort of recipients of this. But when you come in to do work or you are brought into a company to do work, whether you're hired as an employee like Patrick gets or us who are the freelancers, how do you gain access to all of the tools that you need in order to perform your job? Uh, are you asking me? Um, yeah, is that part of your onboarding process? Yes and no. It really does depend. Um, if I'm working for a particularly security conscious, cl conscious client, such as um, the finance sector, anybody in the finance sector is... I mean, it's, it's more bureaucracy than it is security. I mean, I've had things like ridiculous password requirements in a, in a business where it didn't make a jot of difference to their security. They could have left the passwords less secure or less... Um, constrained let's say and it would have been just the same as it, as it was um, but there's a few things when I think about onboarding a lot of the time I take my own laptop a lot of the time I um, work at home most of the time I work at home on my own things and connect to the networks via VPNs um, whenever I do use somebody else's hardware I it's so long since I have. I think I was an employee last time I used someone's hardware, in fact, other than a thin client to connect to a VM. Okay. So, yeah. Um... What about you, Patrick? Mm, I mean, it's, uh, 
when I'm freelancing, I mean, when I was freelancing through the, you know, through the internet, obviously, then it was, and it was with small guys, so security was more of a, um, a handshake, a gentleman's agreement, so to speak, <laughs> not to fuck each other over. Um, and then when I moved on to the offices, then I've, uh, again, usually I work for such a small companies that there was a lot of inter-employee trust in terms of like access to the tools and so on and so forth. <coughs> and uh, in few, in few, I actually had to push for minimalization of the access that I had because I felt uncomfortable with basically root access to literally everything ever. Keep kingdom kind of a situation. Yeah, See, I, I work in all kinds of environments, so it's really hard for me to answer that because I've worked in places where the developers have been on their own VLAN and they've not had access to anything. I mean, literally, they can push a, something to the code repository and that's it. They can't go on any servers. They can't touch anything. Well, see, that's, that's a thing. Having access to a repo is also a thing. I mean... Out of curiosity, since all of us use repos, even you, Patrick, with your ability to push really rude and condescending client-based repo messages and commit messages, how do you connect? Uh, well, I how use do you SSH. Gain access? SSH. I exclusively use SSH. I had, so you um, use SSH keys? Unless it's a public uh, repo, sometimes if, I, if I'm on a computer that's not my own and I don't have an SSH key set up, uh, or it's public, as I said, and I, I just use HTTPS, but normally... SSH. Okay. I asked that question because it's it's fascinating to me, some of the people that I know who don't even know what SSH keys are, et cetera. But I wanted to know what your basic experience was going into an onboarding process. Because the reality is, Patrick asked me a question before we even began the stream, and I want to be, I want to take this as an opportunity to answer his question. His big question is all about password management. And one of the things that I wish was more true was that passwords weren't in use at all. I would much rather have SSH keys in use. I don't want someone to be able to use a password to log in. I want them to have the key on their system and have the key be approved for a particular user account. And yes, if you want to say, open it up and say pageant and attach your keys there, then have a password. That's fine. That would be my ideal situation. My SSH keys are all protected with a master password as well. Yes. as well as being but you can't SSH. always have that you don't always get that so even in our daily day-to-day -day life uh i don't even i know one password off by heart i've got two that i don't i'm phasing them out but i i know one password and the mm. only reason why i know it is because it is in a safe location to let me access my master password list Mine's in my head. Nobody, even my wife, hasn't even heard it or seen me write it down anywhere. Yeah. But Patrick wanted to know, how should I take care of my passwords? How should I handle all of those things? Yeah, because essentially I have five with permutations, and it's usually a hassle to log in into a service that I haven't used in ages. I basically always end up resetting the password. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you say that you have five permutations of a password and things like that. No, I'm no, no, going no. To five instead... different passwords, five completely different passwords with permutations, which are basically it's like mission critical stuff and then like one or two shared for bullshit that I genuinely don't give a shit like video games. Uh, because like if someone look, if someone wants to hack onto my fucking I don't know uh, uh, Ultima Online account, be my fucking guest. I don't give a shit about that one. 
Well, see, uh, you, you've got the wrong idea there. I'm, I'm sorry. Josie's going to tell you off as well, I hope. Okay, but the, no, the, it doesn't matter <laughs> what you what what you put online. There is all kinds of tel- telemetry and metrics and stuff that goes on within all of these applications that captures more data than you know is being captured. Now, I know GDPR came out for the UK I mean, or the European yeah. countries uh, last year, and that is obviously going to affect that going forward, but that doesn't apply to every software provider on the planet. And certainly doesn't apply to all of the software that's installed on your computer. So you're going to have data that you don't know about. If that is compromised in any way, shape or form, because you've got a weak password or you've got the same password that you're using on another account or you've got... Oh no, I meant for stuff that's like online, like, yeah. you know, forums and still. Everything like that. Everything captures data that you don't know about. Even if it's just things like IP address, you know, you can trace that and you can use that kind of data yeah, right, to... Okay. So, so give me give me what would be the problematic situation when I say I have a bunch of shit as a password for shit that genuinely doesn't matter, that has no way of fucking me over, which is basically if one of them is getting compromised, all of them is gonna, are getting contra- compromised, I still don't care. Okay. The biggest thing that tends to be neglected when security discussions about passwords come in, especially with the permutations, because I knew somebody who would take the website and do a permutation of the website with another set of sort of passphrases to be collected together for every website. And that's how they were able to figure out what their password was for a website. They had the same kind of opinion. Oh, it's just for this forum, I don't really care, or it's just for this service, it really has no bearing whatsoever. And then identity theft occurred. They were literally banned from places because somebody knew somebody on that particular forum platform and went, oh, they've been spamming, or oh, they've been sending dick pics, or oh, they've been trying to get my credit card information, oh, yada, 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 yada. Well, they could even do something illegal in a particular jurisdiction and you could get in trouble for it because it would be exactly. traced back to you, although there will be proof otherwise that it isn't you. Ethricol yeah, um, just said in chat, very related to what Josie just said, not just about data protection for games, hackers use accounts to be hateful and bully people. Exactly. It's a whole identity kind of concept. Now, the very first thing that I have, I I need to stress when it comes to we talking about security, it's not a matter of when you get or if you get compromised, it's when. I'm sorry, at this current moment in time with all of the big businesses out there that have been compromised, you've been compromised at least once. If you've Mm -hmm. ever used Facebook, just shrug your shoulders and accept the fact that you've been compromised. If you've ever used Amazon, shrug your shoulders, you've been compromised. If you've ever done anything with a game forum or something in PHP BB or anything like that. Exactly. Everything. You have been compromised. Accept it. Move on. I had an email from an old game account the other day, actually. Uh, Last, this week. Uh, Hang on, what were we on? Thursday. Last week. Um, And it was... It was that we've been hacked, and I haven't used that account for decades. I still went on, and I still changed my password. Yeah, there's <clears throat> there's almost an evolution, especially those of us who have been around the internet for a while. Um, I wrote, uh, and I'll have to see if I can't find it still. I actually wrote what, what I called my password confession. And this was before I understood security. This was back way back in the day when I was really just getting started on the internet and stuff. Um, I'm seeing a face from Chris. Sorry, I just opened my email to have a look at it and I got inbox Mm -hmm. and sorry whoever heard that on the stream. (laughs) Inbox (laughs) notification sounds. (laughs) You now know what client I use. Um, But yes, so I had a certain password that I used everywhere because I just was like, whatever. And then of course the Hackers movie comes out and one of the passwords that I use was mentioned in the Hackers movie. And I'm like, oh no. 
if you have things that you used to do in the past, back before you were highly security conscious, there's a chance you use repetitive passwords, et cetera, which means your password's compromised, accept it. But can you actually remember where you logged in? Not, like not before I used ago? a password surf, no. And even now, some very occasionally, I'll be like, I'll come across a, an account that I, I have from decades ago. I get an email and and I'll be like, well, I don't even remember what, how what I use the I can't even remember what this service is for you yeah. know and now see to tie in to the concepts of the questions that I asked you along with this whole concept of compromise etc and the fact that it's going to happen end of story this is why it is stressed by anybody in security that you do not duplicate passwords anywhere just don't because the moment you have one compromised you've basically given an entire section of malicious actors access to things that they can try elsewhere. It's not worth it. It just isn't. So the question then becomes, well, in a team scenario, in a business scenario, where you have everybody having, especially in like the DevOps world or in the um, hardware world and things where you need people to be able to access servers in order to say restart Apache, or you're dealing with um, needing to have access to things like Remedy for ticket tracking or you know anything else tool-wise, how do you go about doing that? And while yes, SSH keys is always going to be something I stress, not Every company can do that. Every so there are actual tools out there that are like safes and vaults for your passwords that you can do team sharing with and they won't be able to see what the password is, but they can still gain access to that SaaS that mm. everybody's using or et cetera. Sometimes. Now, with when well, you no, mentioned you DevOps can't. there. Yeah, it's some, not, not with all of them though. Not everything. Not, not, no, no, that's why I say not everything. Yeah. I was just saying you can with a particular tool I'm thinking of, actually be able to access and share passwords with no problem. So, because you're not sharing the password, you're sharing the login information. When we're talking about something like DevOps, where you've got a closed development environment, you've got, let's talk about this VLAN that I worked on once uh, with, okay. a, with a group of developers. So we had a very closed system. We had a production environment where all of the other staff were essentially logged in. We had a login to that system as well, but it was complete. We, I, I never used it. I never needed to go anywhere near it, so I didn't touch it. Um, but this other VLAN completely closed off from everywhere. What I, I, it was actually my job to come on to, to alter this, to alter the process. Previously, they had one big repository. It wasn't a Git repository. It was a TFS repository, and it was a monolithic beast every time a developer and there was 50 developers in this team checked in 250 builds kicked off because they had a single repository that wasn't that the, the there was no scanning on the files or anything that was basically saying if this file changes run this build even if they did that was such a nightmare to maintain that kind of thing mm. so my job was to come in and streamline everything one of the things i did while i was there was move everything into their own repositories. I trained the developers on uh, how to use Git because they were going from being Windows developers. And this is where we, I've actually just made a note um, about SSH. You said right at the beginning that SSH, some people don't even know what it is. Some people just think SSH is like a telnet, you know? Um, some people never heard of it. Mm. Now, this is a very general sweeping statement, but Windows developers generally haven't heard of it. <clears throat> Linux guys, yes, all day, every day. It's the thing, it's in and out. In my experience, anyway, at least, if you're a developer or you're a Linux world admin of some description, you mm. know what SSH is generally because 
Linux is largely based on logging into a terminal with SSH, you know, the, the, in the fundamental side of it. But Windows developers have never needed to do that because we have our own SSH, which is called Windows Active Directory which is what everybody in the world logs on, well, everyone in an enterprise, or most of the enterprises I've worked in at least anyway, log in with Windows. And that's the set. And then there's there's all these new federated identity servers that you can get as well, which are single sign-ons, OAuth. Uh, th there's a million different ways to make it easier. And obviously the big providers have now realized this um, and started providing all of these different solutions. I say now, 10 years ago, maybe, <laughs> you know. Anyway, so we had this VLAN. Um, what we had was a problem where a developer would essentially be in charge of, a, of an app and they had two or three new apps that they needed to create every week all the way through to production. They would be in charge of developing the app, they would be in charge of testing the app to an extent, they did have some user interaction, and then they would be in charge of deploying it to the test servers, the integration servers, the UAT servers, and then managing it into production. The person who, the, the boss of the particular department did not like this, when I turned up, I just said to him, what are you doing? Why are you letting all your developers anywhere near your production environments? So what we did is we created a DevOps process that essentially checks all of pe people's code, only ever deploys um, or allows a developer to deploy to the integration environment, which is a throwaway VM. And if it needs to be promoted through to UAT, that is managed by the product owners or the users because they're testing, they're doing the testing there. And then uh, if it goes into production, it needs to be signed off by two or three people. And we do this with code policies. And we do this with when you check code in, a load of automated processes kick, kick off and then st basically stop a developer from getting anywhere near a production environment. Um, they didn't need, they only needed an SSH, SSH key for or a Active Directory logon for the internal repository. That was it. That was all, and, and an Active Directory logon for their computer. But that was it. There was nothing more to it. Mm. And the thing is, you nailed something very, 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 very important here. When we talk about security in the world of anything, and this includes us as users or us as developers, there's three things you have to keep in mind. There's your security, there's your privacy, and your user accessibility. If you make something too unwieldy, like, for example, to log in, you need to have a 75-character password that does include at least three special characters. They cannot in any way, shape, or form form dictionary words when you put them one together. One Egyptian hieroglyph. At, at least. least one Egyptian hieroglyph and, and at least four kanji. Four. And, um, and also a smiley. Makes, and, and make certain that you throw it, you beat me to the emoji kinds of things, <laughs> and make certain you also throw in a partridge in a pear tree. That kind of user accessibility destroys security. Yep. And this is what I was talking about with my original example, another client that I worked for many, many years ago. Oh, sorry, Faraday just brings up that, that video or that picture. <laughs> no hacking characters. No yeah. hacking characters. <laughs> yeah. But that was that that actually again relates exactly directly on this. I was working with a business analyst. I think I probably used this anecdote um, with uh, on on DNI before. I was working with a business analyst. They had put all these rules in for passwords for this new system that I was writing, and I just came up to her and said, "Why do they have to have a, a password between twelve and twenty characters? Why do they have to change it every three days? And why, honestly, and and there was something else that was utterly." utterly out there ridiculous and he, and he could not come up with any good solutions apart from well this is what i've heard is the best way to deal with passwords 
Even if you oh. had to change it once every 30 days, that is too much, too often, way too you know, often. It's it's interesting. You guys are XKCD awarenesses, and you guys know that XKCD put out a uh, comic about passwords. The staple horse. The staple horse thing. Yeah. That's actually been disproven. It's oh. actually evolved, and a lot of people have kind of not exactly captured it or understood the fact that that's slightly antiquated now because of some of the tools that are out there for the, the the wider parts of the world. And hello, Envina, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, but yes, <laughs> to me, the important thing is that you need the person who is logging in, be it a developer, be it a manager, be it a user, they should be able to easily access through not jumping through all of their hoops and signing away their firstborn children, gain secure access and connections to whatever tool, app, SaaS, connection, whatever that they're connecting to in order to make use of whatever you have, but doing it in a way that does not compromise the privacy of the user. And that is really, really hard. Yeah. It is exceptionally hard. There are, uh, slight sidetrack here, but there are so many firewall rule sets out there that people can just, you know, yoink down in order to do a full um, blacklist and then whitelist only certain ports to be opened or certain IPs to have access to a particular thing that have had to take sweeping general statements because of the activities of malicious actors from certain countries. There are, it, it, it's, it's insane to me that, that that is even a requirement, but it's all part of trying to deliver a product, whatever that product is, to somebody, whether it's your services to a client or a client's tool that they're using so that you can access it to perform your job. And I'm finding that some of the things that also get neglected are the physical sides of things. In what sense? Like a physical security on site. Oh, right. Oh, geez. Yeah. Uh. Well, like that's a topic. You know what? Have. I I went. This actually happened uh, to, just a week before Christmas. I went on site to a client's client um, consultancy work I was doing, and um, great bit of work, great people to work for. Absolutely nothing problem with that. But I I just walked in to a solicitor's building. It wasn't a solicitor, by the way. I walked into a solicitor's building, walked up three flights of stairs, walked straight into their office, and got onto their Wi-Fi without even sni just. I, it was open Wi-Fi. I, I, I could have got on from the car park probably. <laughs> oh, and it, what you're talking about there, and I feel it's worth mentioning. This is, is a finance called, company as well, by the way. I, I, I'm going to throw out there. There's something called war driving. Are you familiar with the term of war driving? Nope, not myself. Okay. War driving is the act and process of moving around, trying to find Wi-Fi that is reachable through their SSIDs and then either attempting to break WEP or WPA2 or any of the other encryption things in order to gain access. Or in some cases, just connect because someone didn't put a password on something. Yeah. So that's war driving. That's that's one thing and why you should always, you know, make certain that you kind of secure your Wi-Fi. The other side of that yeah is the people who put up Wi-Fi networks with the intent to ensnare and entrap you, AKA man in the middle attacks. Mm. 
AKA you may have gone to that financial place. You may have connected to their Wi-Fi, but are you 100% it was their Wi-Fi and not somebody who pretended to be that thus was sniffing all of your traffic. Now, so I actually just, I was waving my finger because I remembered um, I, I didn't, it wasn't actually passwordless. It was the name of the company was the, was the password. Uh, with a year at the end, I think it was 2017 or something like that. But um, you didn't do that without permission, did you? No, 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 okay, no, no, good, no, 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 no. I was very on proud. on site to do consultancy, and as I said, I just connected to the Wi-Fi, but it was very easy to get on. It wasn't open. That I have been in places where they've had guest networks that have been open, but they're guest networks, and they didn't have a password on purpose, and they were completely disconnected from the rest of the. Uh, uh, from the rest of their corporate network. I still don't think they should have done that, personally. I think it should mm. still should be locked down. But Yes, so the other side of physical things is literally being able to walk in and walk out with something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or uh, silly stuff like mounting the hinges of your doors the wrong way so you can just like pop the hinges out and walk into the server room. Uh, so a little construction tip. Uh, if you mount doors, it doesn't matter how big and sturdy they are and how many deadbolts you have in them. If walking from the outside, I can see the hinges because mechanically I can just pop something in there, take the pin out and open the door. So know how to mount your doors, people. A lot of people <laughs> don't, apparently. You're not wrong, though. Either that or the rooms that are selected by a company to store particular bits of pieces, hardware or tools, or even their stationery and post-it notes. Admit it, you've all stolen post-it notes or pens from somebody. No. Nope. Um, I make oh. an absolute... That is one of my things when I go on site with clients. I have all my own stuff. I don't use anything, even tea bags. I'm that anal about it. Ooh, I'm fancy. I, I but have... still, my point is, oh. <laughs> pick the right room to store that stuff in, okay? Okay. <clears throat> so you have your connecting to the applications and tools, aka just logins. It makes a difference what you're logging into. You have the hardware side of things, which is, you know, the physical devices themselves, some gaining access to your laptop, same when gaining access to your phone, out of curiosity, do you guys have remote wipe available on your phone? Yep. I use Android and I use um, Lock Out. Lock. It's installed. I can't remember what it's called, but I've, I've got a you know online logon and I can log on and wipe <clears> everything. <throat> and I can make an alarm sound with it brilliantly. It's, it's useful to find it. No, I, I'm just I'm just checking because devices yeah. themselves if someone can gain access to your device they obviously can gain access to a lot of things oh your yeah, entire life nowadays mm. I mean you have people with you know their uh, the thing that really concerns me deeply uh, is banking apps like banking applications on your phone uh, because people gonna use it on open Wi-Fi's uh, and people are gonna be really stupid about it, and if there is a way for them to save the password, they will. Or they will even have a fucking note, because that's what I've seen! Like, note to the banking app on the phone, and people tend to lose their phones also. So yeah, that's probably uh, not a good idea. Lookout. That's what I use, Lookout for Android. That's what I use as well. Do you see what this is? Mm -hmm. Is that an RSA key of some sort? This is a two-factor key for my bank. Ah, 
I have one of them. You want to log in on my phone, and let's say you gain access to my phone, you chop off my finger, and you use my finger to access the phone. Reminder, don't fingerprint your phones, because by law, they can actually get that from you. Instead, use either symbols for the phone thingies, or actually hand type in with your keyboard a password. Um, but if someone, say, steals my finger and somehow gains access to my phone because they prove to people that what I am is what I am, they cannot access my bank account because they are missing a very important thing, mm. which is my two-factor authentication. Mm. And the other thing that they're missing is the key that's required to get into my two-factor authentication as well. Uh, a lot of the banks don't provide it, though. I mean, I don't know what the UK I know do. they don't. Remember, do you remember when you RTFM'd about the password for the bank? Yeah. And you were just naming and shaming and dropping the hell out of that thing? Yeah. Yeah. See, unfortunately, a lot of banks don't quite understand that. <sighs> but again, this goes back to the challenge. How do you make certain that as a developer, and this is literally a foundational talk, this is us not trying to dig deep on purpose because that's for other episodes. This is our first security type episode, but how do you make certain that you build an app that is easily user accessible, yet still secure and can do things privately? And that includes keeping track of what information someone collects in their application because that's actually part of security as well i was making a note then sorry what was the question it's not a question it's a oh. statement it's oh. it's well it's it's sort of a um you don't need to a to. metaphoric <laughs> statement i mean if, well, if you it's, it's be... a metaphoric question i mean that's the end of it when I mean, you build an application you want it to be secure yeah right you want there to be secure logins because then you're at least adding user protection. You want the data that you collect from the people who log in to be done, stored, or collected with purpose and intent, GDPR people, and you want that kind of information to be secure. So you have a privacy concern, you have a security concern, but you want to make it as easy as possible because if it's too complicated, people will throw their hands up and either use insanely easy to crack passwords like <clears throat> Spaceballs, one, two, three, four. Have you never seen Spaceballs, Chris? I have, yeah. I just, I oh, watched okay. it. I've got it downstairs. I watched it once and I didn't find it that funny. I'll be honest with you. It wasn't, it wasn't much for me that. You're, that's okay. <laughs> I might watch it again though, because I have, you know, I've grown up a bit since I watched it. <laughs> right. But th the thing is, it's trying to find a way to make those three things work together in a way that then adds that one final thing that turns it into a pyramid resource. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. Because let's be frank, in, in, in actually quite a lot of modern economies, uh, not in European Union, but in you know, States, uh, China, I don't, I'm not sure about Japan, Privacy is not really a consideration. So if you have a major data leak, you just say sorry and you continue business. There are no repercussions from it. So, you know, I mean, I know it's a horrible thing to say, but cynical attitude prevailing. Uh, 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 okay. When people allow companies to get away with the hacking or the data dropping or what have you like compromise is going to happen accept it the reality is 
so much compromise has happened in the past that the public doesn't even know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they're reported on tax forms and other things that go with it of, you know, this is a loss, this is an RI, this was a compromise. We had to hire some people to come out and fix this problem. Um, if people don't hold these companies accountable, they will constantly get away with lacking security or poor security development or security will be the last thing that they go to develop for when in fact it literally should be an integrated part of the process in my personal opinion. I don't I don't believe that for the big companies, for the, the big, you know, the, the Googles and the Microsofts. I don't believe security is low on the agenda for them. No, in fact, Microsoft... I don't think it ever has been cool. either, really. Back in the day, back when I was really starting to get into the world of computers, I was the anti-Microsoft girl, okay? I was like Linux, SUSE, all the way, you know, let's do the Debian, let's do the Red Hat thing. Like uh, Mandriva, I think it was. Gosh, it's been a while. But my point is, Mandrake, that's the one. I was that girl who was like trashing Microsoft left, right, and center. And then Microsoft did something fantastic. And I sat back and I just went, as much as I still don't like you, I have respect for you now. So we've talked about on the show, the SDLC, the software development lifecycle. Mm-hmm. Microsoft developed the software or the security development lifecycle for how to build Microsoft-based products. Ooh. And it is really good. I've not and seen I that. literally stopped. And this this is like a decade ago or so that this this happened. And I just remember, actually, it's been longer than that. And I just remember sitting back and going, you know, you know, that 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 I got to give some respect for the fact that you've actually come up with a security development life cycle, and it's actually integrated as part of the actual whole thing. I was like, that, that, that. all right, all right, all right you're been... not as horrible as I've been making you out to be. As somebody who's come from a Microsoft background, who who was predominantly Microsoft and would not go anywhere near Linux, I was on the other side of the fence in that I loved the convenience of the IDEs that they provided. I loved the convenience of everything kind of worked together, you know, and. and mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I came from. The the most recent years, I am. I mean, I installed. You love this. Um, I've installed Ubuntu as a, a dev VM that I'm going to be working with from now on for .NET Core stuff because I really want to offload things from my main desktop into a VM. Yeah, I, I no, hear you, um, guys. Like so. Like the, the, the my circumstances. So, you know, I understand that Google and Microsoft and Apple's of the world they. They do place security highly, but those are not the companies I'm worried about. The companies I'm worried about are companies like, you know, like banks, like that credit score company that held all of the personal data of all of working age Americans. Yeah, I think those ones, the ones that leaked literally everything ever. I went for an interview with them. Um, how how on earth that wasn't a federal crime that like literally heads rolling on a pavement? I still understand because that was the that was compromise of literally entire like financial idea like it's not even it's not a single bank it's like the foundations of our economy and they just basically came and shut all over them and then the shit was so corrosive that the entire filler just sort of crumbled down and and everyone was like yeah that didn't happen so uh, am, I, am I am I like overstating things? Am I living in crazy? No, because... you're, you're expressing something that has been growing for years welcome to what is known as apathy (laughs) if you are constantly thrown in your face 
a bit of information. It makes no difference whether it's please donate to help or all of this horrible news is going on or you are constantly being inundated by an object or a thought or a philosophy. Over time, you develop apathy to it. You also will develop this sort of, eh, so it happened again. Which that's basically what it is. It's the mess syndrome as well. And that kind of thing is a problem. It is a massive problem. We have so much reliance on technology in our particular world. Not everywhere in the world is heavily technologically reliant, but we have such a big one that there are certain parts of the tech world where it is 100% apathy and so help me, I hate that security has become one of them for a vast, vast quantity of people. Do you know why? Because it's abstracted from them. Do you know when GDPR was being announced? Um, well, where it started getting um, in the news and it was starting to become public knowledge, mm. all, all of the job adverts, all of the job adverts changed to security conscious developers wanted. Secure, um, GDPR experience needed well, it hasn't even been implemented yet <laughs> you know? but awareness yes there is there is apathy in corporations and companies and it's not just security it's all over the but place there's also there's... in the people the populace as well if even this is if... one of the reasons I am no longer can ever consider in a permanent job because I'm not saying it's the same with everybody but permanent jobs tend to breed apathy um, because you're in the same place doing the same thing day in, day out, and you get told the same things by your manager. Don't worry about that password strength thing or whatever you do in security rise. Move on to the next task, you know? Uh, see, I think that's that's the thing, and I'm going to jump us right into the RTFM because here we are into the RTFM world, okay? We are in a world where apathy is present in security. And my biggest RTFM when it comes to security is that people will hear something they use has been compromised, be it Xperia or Expedia, Experion, whatever the hell that place is called, Facebook, Amazon, Google, or anything else. But because it is a service they use, even if they get an email that says your very specific account has been compromised, people will still not take action. They will shrug their shoulders and put on this level of, well, it's just happened again. Oh, it's just happened again. Oh, it's just happened again. You the know fact that that is actually a very common response makes me so mad. Do you know I had a, a data breach last year that I actually, I actually contacted the information commissioner uh, about. Didn't get anywhere with it because it wasn't a big enough breach, apparently. Um, I had a, an issue last oh. year with um, a GDPR SAR request that I put in with my car provider, or the, the oh, people who sold right. me my the car. car story. And they uh, they sent me, they asked, and I think it was the first GDPR request that they actually had or something. I had, I want for the, I wanted, I made a request with a local branch and then a, a request with head office. Local branch got me all the information, sent it to me via email. And luckily, because I'd already knew that they were going to kind of do that, I sent them an email saying, can you please make sure the zip file is encrypted? Can you make sure this, that, as much as I could do, you know, considering mm -hmm. the circumstances. Um, and they, they got it through to me. But this other one, 
the head office, they sent me a, a, a USB stick and it got lost in the post or it, it, there was a little slit in the side of the envelope and it either came out or somebody took it out. They said that it was encrypted. They told me it was encrypted before they sent it as well. So I kind of, I like to believe that it is, it was encrypted. But that still doesn't mean that, that encryption can't be cracked by somebody who has access to that drive. I don't know. I don't know what encryption they used. Um, well, I do. They sent me an email about it, but it's... Yeah. I, I, uh, the commissioner just said, well, if it was encrypted, there's nothing we can do about it. That right there puts a level of violence inside of me that I am so glad we're at the end of the show of, because if I walk down the hole that that kind of response from the ICO has to a concern based in GDPR and all of the stuff that all of us small businesses had to do, I not only will probably end up turning red and my heart will beat really fast and I'll start sweating the way Chris does when he gets really angry at a topic, but there is a damn good chance that I could blow up and do some really horrible things and say some really bad stuff. So, do you have an RTFM? Uh, me? Yes, you. Can I, can I, can I just say, speaking of security and fighting vi viruses, how the fuck can we, like, at least sort of figure out the PC ones, but still this, this is happening. And also the, the casual disregard of many companies towards uh, health of their employees. Like, mm. uh, ah. <laughs> if you have a... If you have a sick guy, like he's not gonna be productive. Like no you matter how. You shouldn't even have him come into work if he is sick because he will infect everybody else, which makes everybody is... else have to take time off. What the hell? I'm a, a, I don't know what's the specific combination of my biology, but I'm a very viral person. Everybody. Like I, <laughs> I mean, no, there are, there are. Patrick's viral. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, everybody on the planet, every person in, in business has some kind of agenda and it's never the same agenda as you. Whether it's yeah, a positive I... or negative agenda, it doesn't matter. It's never going to be the same as you. Yeah, and yeah, if, they, yeah, if they're getting barked at, I'm not trying to justify it, they're getting barked at yeah. by their bosses to say that this project's late and we need resources to to finish the project. It's just the way that, that the world is. And there are some companies that innovate and try and do things differently and try and give... There was studies done last year um on on giving people a four-day week instead of a five-day week I mean, look, you, you say you say this from the one thing but i've noticed that arguments tend to like if you bother to make the case uh, like um i was talking about it to a friend of mine who's working at the relatively large and unnamed company and he was always saying that whenever he had pushback like that he said look we've been through this i can show you the data again if i let this person come they will get sick on average to other people and that's gonna delay the project again we've been there we've done that because the guy actually compiled like reports and stuff like that so so he's like he's not coming back because it's gonna delay the project yeah, yeah. <laughs> see that's the thing the, having to fight like that is a bit of a pain in the ass but that actually goes back and leads to that discussion we had about crunch yeah. And some other things that go with it as well. Now, before we disappear, I want to give a huge thank you to absolutely every single one of you who has been watching us and chatting. Yeah. And I want to hit Envy's story. So, Chris, Envina has given us a story in chat on Twitch. And hopefully in the future we see you folks here too so we can get your stories. And, of course, Ethical has a chant, which, of course, I'm going to make Patrick say. Uh -huh. 
Are you are you reading the story out or? No, I'm asking you to read the oh, okay, story okay. out. Um, I did. I was trying to read it before, but it's very difficult to read long long paragraphs while people are talking and still <laughs> being engaged in the conversation. So, um, Avina says, "My mum asked me for my password once, and she wrote it down. Then, sometime later, a friend of my dad came, and he wanted to get the Wi-Fi password. My mum called me for it, as she didn't know. As she told the guy that even she doesn't know the password, and she'd lost the paper. She wrote the password down on and gave it to her." Even, I even told her I don't want to give her my Wi-Fi password to everybody who comes to our house. So yeah, essentially, this is writing passwords down issues with people who are non-technical as well, thinking that that's okay. They don't realize how much data that's potentially leaking to people, you know? I have a friend of mine. I will not name names. I will not shame shames. But I have a friend of mine who uh, gained access to a neighbor's Wi-Fi network because they, to quote them, were complete dicks and downloaded certain things to their system that involved animals and they weren't friendly <laughs> with the intent to fill up their hard drive with this stuff. Or you could say they were very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> you could. But my, my point is, you, you don't want to be giving out stuff, but that concept of writing things down there is another friend of mine who, every time I speak with him, cracks me up because I'll be like, so how you doing? He goes, yeah, my security thing. And then he will pick up a book that he keeps on his desk and it is his book of passwords. And he's like, no one can take it from me online because I have it written down. I'm like, well, someone could gain access to it when they walk in your house. And he's like, yeah, they'd have to get past me and all of my AK-47s. <laughs> no, it's not like that. I'm not saying that. That bad. Yeah, but, my dogs. Say, there what? is something to be said for having a password book when it's a dedicated thing that you are willing to protect. In the end, everything you do security wise is based on making an acceptance of risk. But you know, yeah. Yeah. Ah, and there you go, Patrick. Uh, there are two things that Ethercall has said yes. that are perfect for you because they are 100% troll. What was the first one? Because we've seen uh, the, the, the newest the one. The chant. Uh, the chant? Mm -hmm. This is an ethical chant. Please don't make me say that my throat isn't for chanting today. <laughs> Plus, I don't agree with it. I, I, I'm I quite don't agree a fan with of, it. I'm a of Microsoft, so I won't be saying things that I don't believe in. Microsoft it, basically, um, they're the reason that I have money and I have a house and because of their products. I'm sure I would have found other products well, see, to do the same That's the thing. The that's, way, the thing. But... that's the thing. This is me just picking on Ethercall more so anything yeah, else. Yeah. Uh, because as as developers, as anyone in the IT industry, at least I'd like to think the three of us, I mean, I'm sure there's others out there who think like us, we understand that every bit of technology has its purpose in its place, be it Linux, be it Mac, All right. be it Microsoft. Also, there is a very good adage, a very good saying from uh, game development. Whenever you see something that's just horrible, horribly designed, horribly implemented, just pile of shit on pile of shit, ask yourself a question. Under which insane constraints was that poor soul that had to spawn this for this to come to production? Mm -hmm. and that's At which problem. point, I actually have to say, you guys have mobile phones, right? Uh, that's a Diablo Immortal comment when they did the announcement of Diablo oh, Immortal. Right, right. You guys have mobile phones, right? Uh... Funny thing is, I actually know someone who doesn't. 
I know a couple of people who don't have mobile phones. So I no, was, no. I yeah. was Android dude. I was Android development before I even had Android phone. So I had a dumb phone for like two years when I was doing Android dev. So there mm-hmm. are people like that. And mm-hmm. that was on mm-hmm. purpose. I just, I didn't want to move to, for mostly security. I mean, not security, not security, but like privacy considerations. <laughs> okay. So Chris. Okay. So <laughs> it has come to the end of our first show of 2019. Um, mm-hmm. As always, you can visit our website at dnistream.live. You can visit us on Twitter, GitHub, Facebook. Uh, everything is DNI Show. Facebook? Oh, no, hell no. no. Oh, no, not Facebook. We have a Facebook? Sorry. No, we don't, oh, we don't have a Facebook. Hell no. No, no, just, just he made a very a big point of not having a Facebook page. Plus, I mean, yeah. it doesn't. it's not going to do much. No one, no one uses Facebook anyway, do yeah. they? Surely. <laughs> yes, we're also on LinkedIn. Uh, and most of all, GitHub. If any of you want to see some... Um, code get involved in it because it's uh, i'm struggling at the moment to get motivation this year so far but i am going to get back onto it and i'm going to be finishing off like the show list on our website and um, i'm going to be putting some tests um unit tests and, and various back-end and front-end tests on there um just so just kind of as an example more than anything else so i can direct people there to say this is how you put an angular website together simple one but it works um, mm-hmm. So yeah, if you if you uh, have any ideas for guests or any topics or anything like that, we're always willing to talk about things. Most of the time, we have something to say. We're not experts, but we try our hardest. Yeah, sometimes what we say is very dumb, like uh, me today. But uh, hey, we not we not all of us are perfect, uh, except Chris, obviously. And those few people who are contact, contacting us on Twitter, because I don't know if you guys knew, but uh, if you contact us on Twitter, you are a perfect human being. So find us at the DNI stream on Twitter. Which is our main outlet. I think we've lost Josie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, Patrick, I love you so much. I do. I can get those speeches for everything. Yes, um, but again, thank you so much. It looks like Dan, my husband, literally just got home. It was an all-call-on-deck kind of work thing. He's home really late. Um, but a thank you to all of you for watching, Hanses and Vina, Farida, for giving us comments. Ethercall, you troll you. We love you bits and pieces. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll see all of you guys next week, 7 p.m. GMT, when Anthony Keenan will be here to discuss the interview process. I am going to talk about brain rape. I have been dying for this episode since we actually started this show. So I'm really, really, really excited about this. And it's a absolute huge fond farewell from Chris. Goodbye. It is a slightly sick and ever so slightly viral. Patrick, goodbye. This will get you too. Don't worry. (coughs) It's already at me. (laughs) And I am Josie and we're documentation not included. And we love you. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.